It's a Mailbag Monday. We're taking your questions on draft grades, Luis Castillo trades, some specific prospects you want updates on, and best baseball snacks. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Going on now is the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. You can save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. So shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Love a Mailbag Monday. Glad we can bring it back. Had to miss it last week, obviously, because of the MLB draft. Had a little bit bigger things to talk about, but we are back. Remember, these are all of these questions in this show are from listeners of the show. If you have a question for the mailbag next Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Uh, without further ado, your questions. Uh, one of the hosts of Locked On Astros, H-Town Wheelhouse, actually asks, when does a grade become valid for a team's draft? Is it one year? Is it two years? And so this is probably going to end up being a whole segment here. There's a couple different things that we can look at when we're grading. So I can give you a grade right now. A lot of people do this. I can give you a grade right now based on the perceived talent levels of the players you got versus where they were drafted, right? So we can go out and I can say, hey, you reached in the first and the third and the fifth for guys that we thought would have been there and weren't first round talents. We can downgrade you for that. Or we can say, hey, uh, Rangers got two first round uh, talents in the first round and in the fourth round and upgrade them for that. But I do think there's some validity here to the concept of a waiting period until the draft becomes valid. So something that, and for me, I feel like it's probably two years. So something that we have to keep in mind when it comes to the MLB draft is most of these players are not going to make it, right? Uh, and And the thing about this, what we have to understand is how many MLB players do you think you're going to get out of a specific draft? And within two years, I feel like we have a pretty good idea of who is likely to make it and who is not likely to make it. So let me give you some of the stats. Baseball America did a piece on this. I want to say it was 2019. And they looked back from 1981 to 2010. Uh, first round picks, about 73% of them make it to the majors, okay? This is first round picks. Second round is just over 50%. When you round, it's at 51. After that, every round, you are more likely to not make MLB than you are to make MLB. The overall hit rate on the MLB draft is 17.6%, and that's 1981 to 2010. So... You know, logic tells you 17.6% of players, you draft 20 players. If you can get 
20% of those guys to the bigs, so you're looking at, what, four? Then you're, then you're above average when it comes to MLB production. And, like, it's funny. This, like I said, second round is 51%. Third round is 40, and that keeps dropping, obviously. Eighth, ninth, and tenth are all around 19 to 20%. If you were drafted after the 11th, like 11th round or later, it's a 9% chance. Less than 1 in 10 of those guys will even appear in the bigs. And I think the big caveat here on this, when we talk about guys appearing in the bigs, is there's a difference in you were a a call-up because somebody was injured and you actually were able to like contribute and play and have a career. So typically, under 100 draftees will actually manage to produce 0.1 war. Uh, it comes out to about 9.8% of players drafted in any specific draft come up and actually have an impact. Uh, the average is about 83 players per season. So to me, within two years, we're going to have an idea of how many of the 20 players you drafted or the 19 you signed or whatever the figure happens to be. We're going to have an idea of how many of those guys will actually be able to contribute at the big league level. Um, it's an interesting story. I remember a prospect telling me, and I don't, I don't know if it was on, like, while we did the interview or it was after the interview when we were talking privately. But he told me that uh, in, in, it was either rookie ball or A, he, he had a, a coach that was tearing into some of the guys. They had some bad effort. They had some... Um, so, you know, just some, some, some poor, didn't look like really good baseball out there. And they didn't really seem to be that inspired. They weren't really focused. They weren't really trying. And the, the coach told them, I need y'all to understand, 20 of you have a job so that those five guys have a team to play on. And that kind of stuck with me. 20 of you have a job so that those five guys have a team to play on. MLB teams will never admit to this. But there are prospects that they are counting on absolutely nothing from. If the guy happens to work out, if they happen to get production from him at the big league level, that's great. But a lot of these guys, in the eyes of the front offices and the eyes of the general manager, are complete lottery tickets. We are, if we get, we're throwing a, we're throwing a, the, the equivalent of a dollar at this guy. If it hits, great. If we get anything, if we get our money back, great. We're just looking for guys to be in the system. And you see now that the miners have contracted to 120 teams, the draft is shorter. There's less room to just kind of do complete flyers on guys who may or may not sign at all. But the odds are, like I said, if you can get three players in the bigs from your draft class, three to four, you're right there around the average. And I feel like within two years, we can reasonably tell you, yes, we have enough of a sample size now to know these guys are or are not going to make it. Uh, so I kind of what I think about here, we can look at the first day of a draft. And right there, that's where the grade usually, the grade usually comes from. Look at the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks got Drew Jones, um, Ivan Melendez, 
Like they they got three guys that can contribute. I'm sorry, Landon Sims, second um second round of 34 overall. They got three guys that can contribute at a high level. If those three guys make it, if they all make it to the bigs, then that draft was a good draft. Everything in baseball, hitting, drafting, everything, you're more likely to fail than not. And that's something I think we forget. So you're going to see grades come out this week about people's drafts last week. Understand that the grades are, in essence, how good you did based off how good we think these players are. And in a year or two, we'll have a better understanding of were those players as good as we thought they were. Um, and so that's really, within two seasons, you really can kind of say, hey, these grades were too high or too low or kind of have a legitimate idea of where things stand. In just a minute, I've got a great question about trading for Luis Castillo and who might do it and what kind of prospects might come back in a deal. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile, as we mentioned at the top. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools to help you build the engagement ring of her dream. You can choose the diamond shape, the size, the clarity, as well as the setting style. And then Blue Nile's bench jewelers will handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Or, if you're looking for fine jewelry to celebrate a special moment but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has online jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that will not give away what's inside. So shop stress-free. And find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Okay, great question. This one actually, another host of one of our MLB shows, Jeff Carr, host of Locked on Reds. You've seen him on this show multiple times now. He asked which team has the most to offer for Luis Castillo. I've narrowed it down to about four teams that I think may try to make a deal for, or I guess four teams that would be probably the preference to make a deal for Luis Castillo. And the comp here to me is the Jose Barrios move from the Twins to the Blue Jays. It was two high prospects. Shortstop Austin Martin was a top 100 guy. And then pitcher Simeon Woods Richardson was also, um, I want to say he was a top 10 prospect at the time, maybe top 15. So I kind of think that is that is the floor for a um, Luis Castillo trade. And the first team I'm looking at is the Mets, simply because they've had so many injuries. They lost Scherzer for a while. DeGrom's still not back. Uh, Tyler Miguel's probably not coming back this year. Uh, And so to me, if there's a Mets trade, it starts off with shortstop Ronnie Mauricio. Top five prospect in the system. But this is a situation where, we talked about this with, with, uh, with Jeff Carr, there's just not a lot of pure shortstop prospects other than Ellie De La Cruz in this red system. You know, guys that are kind of seen as like can't miss guys. Um, and, 
and reliable guys that can be counted on. Whereas the Mets have obviously a long-term shortstop already signed. They've got a couple third base prospects. They can part with Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, he's in double A right now, 247, 284, 71. So the on base is hurting a little bit this year, but um, he improves every year as far as better contact, less chase rate, um, has a good arm at shortstop, doesn't run incredibly well, but can make all the plays at uh, at short that you need. I think he's I think he's a good bet to be a useful trade piece and somebody that the Mets do eventually look at moving on from. And then if you're going to ask for him, I think you also go out and you get one of their top 10 pitching prospects. They've got five guys that are six through 10, Calvin Ziegler, Matt Allen, Joel Diaz, Jose Butto, Mike Vasile, Dominic Hamill. They've got like five or six pitching prospects that are all in their top 10 you find the one you like the most, find the one that fits your models the best, and go out and ask for that. And you get two top 10 prospects, including a possible shortstop of the future and a pitcher. I'm not actually super, super sold on Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, I, I have questions about the contact tool, but it's something, if you're making the Mets deal, uh, and we've seen they've already made two trades over the weekend, so the Mets are already making, starting to make deals. That's, a, that's what you ask for. If you're talking to the Yankees, which one of the favorites to make a trade advice talked about it. Uh, I don't think you're going to get Anthony Volpe. Just up front, recenter your expectations. You're not going to get Anthony Volpe. I think the Yankees are likely to make the headline of the deal either Oswald Peraza, who would also be a no-doubt shortstop for you, uh, for Cincinnati, would be a good guy to get. Or I advocated back on the show we did with Stacey Gutsulius of Locked on Yankees maybe two weeks ago. I advocated for Jason Dominguez, outfitter Jason Dominguez, uh, for the Yankees to trade him. I'm not saying I want the Reds to go out and get him. I do trust the Reds player development program uh, to, to develop hitters. I, I'm down on Jason Dominguez, but I could see the Yankees offering him as a headline in place of Oswald Peraza. I do think... The better deal for the Reds would be get Oswald Peraza and then get one of the pitchers. They've got Wineski, they've got Waldachuk are the four and five prospects. And then behind them, they've got Warren, Medina, Gill, you know, a couple guys back there. I feel like Medina may have figured it out. I don't think you'll get two top five prospects. So I don't know if they'll trade Wineski or Waldachuk, but I think you can get one of those three uh, top 10 pitchers, the Warren, Medina, Gill guys in the back half of the top 10. I think you can get one of them. So for me, Oswald Peraza and Luis Medina or Oswald Peraza and Luis Gill, um, that gives me a pitching prospect to replace Castillo. That gives me my no doubt guy who can stick at shortstop for the future and Peraza. I'm happy if that's me. Um, The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are a team and it makes sense because the, the, the Jose Barrios trade was to the Blue Jays last year. So they're a team that I think may try to make a deal or could be a candidate to make a deal. And if that's the case, I see the headline of the deal from them being either Jordan Croshans or Relvis Martinez. Both of them are top five prospects. They're both the shortstop to third base flex guys. So that's something where you go out and you get one of them. And then you go out and you get 
one of the back of the top 10 pitchers. Uh, Sam Reverse, Hayden Younger, Joseph Zuzuleta, Nate Pearson. Uh, I think they're probably highest on Zuzuleta and Pearson, but you go out and you ask for one of those, or, you know, for one of those guys as well. So um, that's not the deal that I would do if I was the Reds. I think the best possible deal for the Reds, and part of this goes back to how you feel about Tyler Stevenson. He just went on the IL again. And I know that there's an urge to move him off of first or off of catcher, maybe to first. And there's not a lot of catching prospects in the system. I'm calling the Dodgers and I'm saying we want number one prospect in your system, catcher Diego Cartaya. And we want right hand pitcher Ryan Pipo. So Pipo is a big league piece. He's, I think he's thrown in, uh, what is it? He's thrown in four or five games this year. Has one of the best curve uh, changeups in this entire system. Has shown the ability to get dudes out, but has had some walk issues at the big league level. It's a third rounder in 2019. Um, if for some reason they're not willing to do that entire package, which I get, they may not be able to. You may have to do Pipo. You know, like instead of Cartaya and Pipo, you may have to do Cartaya and another outfield piece and a flyer on a pitcher. You may do Pipo and a, another top 10 prospect and a flyer on a pitcher. I think you can throw a flyer on a pitcher for any of these deals, for the record. You can throw in a, a 28 or 30th prospect in the system on any of these deals just for fun. I could see an alternative deal if Cartaya doesn't get moved. You ask for Pipo, you ask for left hand pitcher Maddox Bruns, the first round pick last year. And you ask for outfielder Andy Pages. He's like the seventh overall prospect in the system. And Pages, to me, I don't do a ton of comps on this show. He reminds me a lot of a Yasiel Puig. Uh, tons of raw power. Uh, doesn't have great base running. Like, he makes poor decisions on the base paths. Inconsistent defender who can get easily distracted and right. Has a plus-plus arm. Sometimes inaccurate. I mean, he... Also from Cuba, dead ringer to me for Yasiel Puig, but he would fill that Nick Castellanos role of the court of the uh, slugging corner outfielder type. So interesting, some sort of combination of those players: Diego Cartaya, Ryan Pipo, Andy Pages. If you could get all three, that would be a no-brainer. But at the very least, two of those three guys, plus some sort of late-round flyer, are who I have to think would go from the Dodgers to the Reds in a Luis Castillo deal. Just a minute, I've got some individual player questions. We, uh, we, we took some questions off of Twitter, out of email, and some different things. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can get your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You get reviews and news for every single league. Major League Baseball, obviously. NFL futures are up because training camps open soon. Uh, NBA, NHL, combat sports, um, golf, and even esports. And BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for sports wagering information. Live in-game betting scores, they have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay. Individual player questions. These are all from y'all, from not hosts, but listeners. Uh, first one is from Barry via email. He asked about Texas Rangers third base prospect 
Gleeder Figuero. So, international free agent. Um, was in, the, was in the Dominican at age 17 last year, is in rookie ball right now in the Arizona Complex League with the Rangers. Uh, 21 games, and he's batting 288, 407, 658. Five home runs, 22 strikeouts to 13 walks. He's got 16 RBIs, four doubles, four triples. So, um, I see him as a guy who gets a chance to go to A ball a little bit later this year. I think that would be a good move for him. He'd be one of the youngest players in A-ball, but give him a chance to compete against some of those guys. Uh, definitely a bat-first prospect. So the thing with the thing with Figuero is really good feel for the butt barrel, really good knowledge of the strike zone, what is, what is not a strike. It's got a good combination of both contactability and power. So he kind of fits that third baseman mold of a guy who can crush him balls. Defensively, he's not amazing, right? Um, he's got, you know, like, decent footwork. He's got enough arm strength. I think part of it's just experience. He doesn't necessarily have the internal clock synced up yet on how long, on how long he has to make, a, to make a play and make a throw. He either rushes things or he takes his time and misses the play. So, something where he moved from short to third. I think it's give him some more reps. I think he can fix that. I don't ever think he's going to be more than, as of now, average to maybe above average, but he's a hit first guy. I think he can hit for plenty of power. I mean, obviously he's slugging 658 uh, in in rookie ball. I do want to see him, like I said, I do want to see him move up to A ball, I'd say within, like by mid-August, just to kind of give him a taste of that to see how well he does and can you put him, can you do the high A to double A track next year as a 19-year-old or does he need to go to A ball to high A next year? Uh, Which, acknowledging if he did high A, double A next year, he would be incredibly young for both levels. But just seeing the speed with which he can move. Uh, I've got him as a top 20 prospect in the system. I'd say back half of the top 20. But I like what I like. I like what I've seen so far. Um, Mad Brit on Twitter asked a, cu- a couple questions about some of the top prospects we've seen. Michael Bush of the Dodgers is the first one. So probably top five prospect right now. One of the best hitters for average in this entire system. And the thing here is okay. So 2019 um, first rounder out of North Carolina lost the night the 2019 end of the season because he he. Uh, Broke his hand. Lost 2020. Uh, 2021 went straight to double A. And was one of the best offensive players in the organization. um, Despite the fact that he got hit by a pitch again in the hand. And lost like a full month of the season. So really, really good hitters. Um, Very stays stays level. Balanced in the box. uh, Makes a lot of quality contact. Has a short, efficient swing. So it's quick to the zone. Hangs out in the zone for a while. Um, really good at, at visually recognizing pitches and knowing what is and is not a strike. Um, spends a lot of time up in the middle of the field. So drives balls to the middle of the field. Above average power, I think. Um, he can hit the ball out. He's not a foul pole to foul, foul pole to foul pole guy. He's a left center to right center guy. Um, the issue, the, the only real criticism I have is 
he's too passive at times. So he'll 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 be up there with the goal of trying to run your pitch count up and have a long at bat, but he'll fall behind pretty quickly. He'll he'll end up um down 0-2 pretty quickly or down 1-2 rather quickly. And so obviously that forces you into bad swing decisions, that forces you into uh pitchers counts and the results don't come out as well. Power is a little bit behind where it was this time last year. He's in he's in triple A right now. 258, 324, 484, 11 home runs in 53 games. So wanna see him actually the exact same slugging he had last year in double A. Uh, but he started off really hot in AAA this year with like 11 home runs in 30 games. So um, slugging percentage is the same. We just want to see him pick it up a little bit as far as um, what he's looking like. I see him as a guy that next year you're going to be looking at him challenging for the second base job out of spring training. There's questions about Justin Turner, how much longer he's got. Max Muncie may or may not need a UCL repair. I see him as a guy that can definitely help out, um, you know, playing second base. Defensively, below average arm, range is kind of limited. My question is, what's going to happen when shift restrictions come in play? Because you got you to use him in shifts and things like that to mitigate some of his defensive liabilities. So, but still a guy that I think can, can challenge for a second base job out of uh, spring training next year, because I expect... Unless Trey Turner gets re-signed, I expect Gavin Lux to be the thir- the shortstop. You could always move if, t- if if Justin Turner is done. You could move Muncie to third base, um, play Michael Bush at second. Anyway, uh, the other question he had was about Tristan Cassis. So Tristan Cassis has been out with an ankle sprain for about two months. Um, I think he's a potential All Star. Ultimately, end of the day, uh, above average hitting, raw power is absolutely plus plus, and he's a very good defender at first. Um, I think he would have already gotten called up if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. And this is simply because uh, Boston has been desperate for first base production. So it's been a combination of Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero over there. And they're in the bottom third in about every offensive category as far as first baseman. They're, um, you look at average, they're 28th. It's two, like, there's the, the slash line for their first baseman, 205. 280-341. They're 25th in home runs with 11 on the season. They're 23rd in RBIs with 46 on the season. They're dead last in strikeout rate, 32%. It just has not worked out. I think Tristan Cassis would have already gotten called up if he hadn't have gotten hurt. He's played, I think he's, he's, he's back in uh, Worcester, like two games. I think you give it maybe two weeks. And he's probably going to get called up by a desperate Boston team who's trying to stay in the AL East because it's the most competitive, um, the absolutely most competitive division right now in baseball. I think all five teams are above 500, or they were right before the All-Star break. Last question, um, host of Locked on Padres, Javier Reyes wants to know the best baseball snack. He's a big Dunkaroos guy. Shout out Dunkaroos. I love those things. All right, so I've got in person and I've got at home. So in person, here is what I do. Uh, I'm usually having a couple couple beers. Most ballparks have a gluten-free beer, so I'm, I'm drinking that. Uh, and that helps because I'm going for one serving of salted peanuts, tons of salt, and I'm doing some popcorn. Super salty. Now, if it's a hot day, uh, and the popcorn's because my kids. My kids love the popcorn. If it's a super hot day, I'm going to get either some Froyo or some Dippin' Dots. 
but only in the mini helmet. If you give it to me in a cup, I don't want it. I will only buy it if it's in the mini helmet. I want the mini helmet. My wife says hot dog. She's like, it does not feel like a baseball game without a hot dog. I told her that hot dogs are really hit and miss in some places. Some places they're great. Some places they're not hit and miss. But she said it does not feel like a baseball game without a hot dog. And then if I'm watching a game at home, we have a setup on the back deck with a TV and fan and, you know, outdoor furniture and all of this stuff. If I'm watching a game outside, which we do quite a bit in the fall, we watch a lot of fall baseball um, and football outside. I'm making boiled peanuts. It's a southern. I don't eat them in the house unless I'm li- literally leaning over the sink because you get the juice running off of them. They're a little messy and all that stuff. But I'm making boiled peanuts. We're sitting on the back porch. You put a bowl at your feet. You put a towel in your lap. You have a little plastic baggie of boiled peanuts. They need to be warm, not hot, but warm. And you're just throwing the shells. Ping, ping, ping. You're throwing them in the metal bowl as you eat them. Um, love boiled peanuts for lot for sporting events. Love them at base. Uh, love them at football. Every football game I've ever been to has them. Minus professional games. Every college game, every high school game I've been to has them. I haven't seen a lot of boiled peanuts at a professional baseball game, but I wish that was something they'd start doing. They're big on the salt, the roasted salted peanuts. Bring some boiled peanuts into a baseball game. It's great. Great week of stuff coming up for y'all. Remember, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. (laughs) 